0: Are you ready to do the workout? Yeah! yeah. 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 do it! This is a beginner's workout. Stand with your feet a little more than hip distance apart. Stomach tight, buttock pulled in. Pull out of your torso and head... Right, two, right. back, back.
1: two, left. Stretch it, it out. Back. Front and to forward. the right. One, two, back, back. left. Forward. forward now, reverse it. it. To
0: the left. Stretch oh, it out.
1: hello. Back. Sorry. This probably looks a bit strange, but I was just having a bit of one on one time here with Jane Fonda. Oh, 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 Jane. She's really remarkable, you know. (laughs) Forgive me, I do lose breath when I'm doing my 1980s Jane Fonda workout. Still the best on the market. Just put it into your beta player. And away you go. I'm proud I can still fit into my leotard. Oh, how rude of me. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the fortress. Don't feel. (laughs) Take a seat. You don't have to join in. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, sure. You look good. Yeah. Forward, back. Forward, back. Forward, back. Buttocks in. Thrust. And thrust keep doing that we've got a good show today in the fortress we really do we've got lots of great guests but to be honest with you I don't really have time right now as you can see to take you all through it so you're just gonna have to trust me can you press play on that boom box please yeah that'll do the opening theme ah Charlie horse Coming to you from the mountain fortress of pop culture. You're listening to Time to Talk. Paso doble? Paso doble. Well, within a matter of hours, Kylie will be igniting Las Vegas. And by the time you're listening to this, she already would have had the opening show. For her Las Vegas residency, it's technically called the More Than Just a Residency. Now, it starts on November 3, as I say, a matter of hours from now. It runs all the way through to May 4, a total of 20 shows. Are you really curious about this show? This is the one, remember, where just a few months back she said, Oh, I've been bruised and battered and bleeding and putting all my heart and sweat and soul into this. Very curious what this show is going to look like. I wish I could get over there. Still might. Rumour has it that this is going to be an ongoing year after year thing. So, like me, you might be able to get your hands on some tickets at some point. Our Charlie Puth is in Australia at the moment. I went to see him in Sydney a few nights ago. Unbelievable show. I was in the mosh pit right in front of the stage. That doesn't happen to me. I'm never lucky enough to get close to the stage. Here I was. You pay a price for being close to the stage. You have to stand there for hours and you can't move. People try to push in. I actually had to tap this one girl on the shoulder. Hey, boy, boy, back you go. And don't worry, I had the support of everyone around me for that. Uh, But when he came out, an awful, awful opening act by the name of Joy. Don't ever look her up. Terrible. By the time Joy was finished, honestly, if Rebecca Black had come out on stage, I would have been so excited. Uh, But Charlie was absolutely amazing. Really, really charming. uh, Was so appreciative of being in Australia. Like so many American artists, was like... Wow, I didn't know there were so many people down here who liked me. It was a bit of that, unfortunately. It's always the way. He was absolutely, genuinely shocked by how many people turned out to see him. But he was on fire. Gee, he has a beautiful voice... Um, and he actually has a stage presence now, which is amazing. So he's moving on to Auckland at this stage, but yep, Charlie has been and gone from Australia with his Charlie the Live experience. By the way, did you know his real name is Charles Otto Puth Jr.? Interesting. Let's circle back to Kylie. Davina McCall, you might know who she is. She's a famous British uh, media personality. She was also in The Word Is Out video clip, well, she's been in multiple interviews talking about how she and her friendship with Kylie Minogue has become estranged over time, and literally said Kylie changed her phone number and didn't give her her new phone number. And then she's come out and said she's mortified by the fact that the media twisted her words. No, Davina, nobody twisted your words. You spoke in public and you're a media personality, you know what's going to happen, because you're heartbroken about that friendship. And typical British just can't come out and say, I'm actually heartbroken, I'm really hurt by that. Had to be all sarcastic about it and then backtrack and say, oh no, it's not what I really meant. It's not what I really meant. Uh, I'm not upset with Davina McCall. I I find her an amazing person, very um, interesting woman, very smart. And I don't know what's gone on there, but you don't often see Kylie caught up in a negative media cycle these days. I wonder what will happen next. Watch this space. Okay, are you ready for December 3? I think it's December 3, maybe December 8. Extension. Clever title, the Tension album is getting Extension. Another £30, my people. So for those of you who collect, I my apologies. Again, I find it awful. I really object to what Kylie and her team do with the multiple colours and the multiple copies. I really do. I, I totally object. But that aside, Extension is coming out, and it's got uh, extended mixes of most tension tracks, not all of them, and I'll be really curious to hear it. Uh, How good is the Hold On To Now extended mix? It's really good, isn't it? Did you know it was a single? Lo and behold, I pretty much keep my ear to the ground, and I didn't know Hold On To Now was a single, but it is. It's a single, without a video clip. And I thought she had filmed... Um, uh, Three video clips, so Padam, Padam, Tension. I thought she had filmed a third one. But if she has, it can't be held on to now because it's already released and we don't have a video clip for it. We've only got the visualizer. And of course, Matthew Perry. He was one of the six primary stars of the TV show Friends. He died on October twenty eighth. He was most famous for playing that character Chandler Bing, But I'm telling you what, he was also a bloody marvellous advocate for drug reform. I mean, let's stop treating drug issues as a criminal issue. Treating it within the criminal world hasn't worked, right? Let's start following the science here. And that's what he was an advocate for, a lot of drug reform. He was found dead in a hot tub after playing pickleball. And are you like me? Were you wondering what the... Devil is Pickleball? Yeah, I went to YouTube and looked it up. Matthew Perry. He had a troubled life um, and he will be missed. He seemed like a very, very decent fella. So that's a little bit about what I've been thinking about over the past week. What have you been thinking about? That's right, it's time for you to get out your phone. Please tell me. I genuinely want to hear from you and I listen to all the audio messages that come through. Your phone will have an audio memo app. Take it out, record two or three minutes. Anything you like, what's on your mind in the world of pop culture, email it. Time to talk Australia at Outlook.com. Well, last week we spoke to an absolutely incredible Britney Spears fan. His name was Christian from Australia. And he gave us, he read the book cover to cover within less than 24 hours. And then he gave us the lowdown. And he just spoke so well. And so many of you have got in touch and said, yeah, Christian was really interesting to listen to. If you haven't heard it, I really advise you to go back. Thank you to everyone who gave feedback about it. It was universally positive. What an interesting discussion. Like when you talk to a real super fan, you just, you learn so much more about that star than what's in the mainstream media. Well, Jesse from Canada, he got in touch with us.
2: Hey Tim, this is Jesse Latimer from Ontario, Canada. Leaving this message to say my thoughts on the Britney Spears memoir, I listened to the podcast where Christian was on uh, discussing his thoughts and um, just basically the whole situation in general with the conservatorship. There are some points I agree with from your end, and there are some points I agree with from Christian. Um, I feel like, first and foremost, Britney Spears is a talent. Britney Spears is one of the best female entertainers of all time. She is a legend. She will always be remembered for being the quintessential pop star of the late 90s, early 2000s, and her influence is still shown today in several artists uh, that have come up, Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez. You can see Britney's influence in several of these stars. I feel like the problem with the conservatorship, though, is that it's kind of a double-edged sword. Now, I'm 30 years old, 31 years old, and I remember when Britney Spears debuted with Baby One More Time. I've seen her from the beginning. Um, I remember the White 2 k era. Mind you, I was very young, but I do remember um, how famous she was at that time. And I really started to dive into her catalog in high school after the infamous Give Me More Performance. But I really feel like at that time, in 2007, Britney did need someone to step in. She did need someone to come in and help her. And there was already signs uh, along the way that, you know, there was something wrong. Um, it just kind of all came to a head in 2007 when she shaved her head. No one, for example, no one gets married for 55 hours. Even if it's an act of rebellion, it's just, that's a red flag. Um, she was very quick to become pregnant with Kevin Federline, and she was at the peak of her career when this happened. And even... Maybe I was 13 when that happened. I I didn't understand it because even then I thought she's so young. She is the biggest pop star in the world at this time. Why is she rushing everything? In hindsight from reading that book, I really feel as though Britney Spears was deeply impacted by her abortion. She didn't want to have an abortion and I'm all for, uh, you know, pro-choice and for women, to they are entitled to what they want to do with their bodies. But it the book was very telling because I feel like after her abortion, she should have had therapy because that's not something she wanted to go through. And although I'm not a woman, I'll never be put in that situation. It's something that, a woman never gets over. A piece of a woman dies when they have an abortion. It's not something, you know, she thought of doing lightly. And I really feel like the fact that she couldn't go to a hospital, the fact that she didn't tell anybody it was only Justin Timberlake and Felicia, um, and the fact that it was done at home and he was uh, stringing the guitar, you know, once it was happening, you know, I feel like that is telling to a lot of events that happened later in her life. This is just my opinion. But to me, it makes sense now why after Justin, she was so quick to, you know, have a short wedding and she was so quick to then, you know, hook up with Kevin Federline, who was this backup dancer. um, And, and quickly have his children. It's, I think Brittany was lost and, it all kind of just snowballed into something else. I really feel like Britney Spears needed therapy after that. And um, I feel like she did suffer from postpartum depression and her family saw that as the perfect time to sweep in and um, milk her for all she was worth. I do feel like Britney Spears needed help at that time, but it shouldn't have been at the help um, of her family. I think her family took advantage of her. I feel like her family um, abused her. I feel like her family just saw her as a cash cow. And although I do believe Britney Spears to this day still needs help, it should be from someone who uh, is looking at it from a bird's eye view perspective and is not, um, you know, making millions of dollars because she's going to perform a show or not. Whether or not Britney Spears continues to perform in the future, that is on her. That is her decision. And as a fan, I I would be happy with whatever Britney Spears decides to do. She's a sweet girl. She's so kind. Um, but I also feel as though she still needs help to this day. And I know a lot of the fans are going to get mad at me for saying this, but personally, as a fan, as someone who's played all her records, I feel like Britney Spears, I hate saying this, but the Britney Spears of 2003, 2004, I don't know if that Britney Spears is ever coming back. And she needs a lot of therapy and she needs a lot of help. And I want her to live a very long life. And I want her to be very happy in life because I am seeing a lot of um, I'm just being honest, I'm seeing a lot of connections between Britney Spears and Elvis Presley or Britney Spears and Anna Nicole Smith. And it really infuriates me when some of her diehard fans uh, cheer on how she acts on Instagram. So I think the book was good for her to write. I don't think she penned that whole thing on her own. I think she had a lot of assistance. I think it's it's good that people are seeing her story and her side of the story being that Justin Timberlake has, you know, said his for years and and people have been taking advantage of her for years. Um, I do believe she is owed an apology by Diane Sawyer. I think that uh, interview was terrible. Um, And I think that, you know, a lot of people owe Britney Spears an apology. And had she... Um, had she stuck to her guns at a young age, obviously it's difficult. But if she learned to say no to people, and I don't feel comfortable doing this, I feel like uh, sh- you know she might have been all right today. But that's my thoughts on the memoir. That's my thoughts on Britney Spears. I I hope that she um, you know is able to find happiness anyway that's what those are my thoughts
1: shout out to you jesse thank you so much obviously another huge britney spears fan so you can do what jesse did you can send us an audio memo just pull out that audio recorder and then email your message to time to talk australia at outlook.com
2: hi tim loving the show I like to tune in on the weekend in between scrambling my eggs and slicing my
1: turnips and hear about everything that's going on in the world of pop culture. Keep up the good work and keep on cooking up these amazing episodes on the Time to Talk show. Love, Gordon Ramsay. Mark and Chris, welcome to The Fortress. Hi, how are you? How are you? Awesome. I'm really well. Are you both still enjoying Tension? It's been out for about a month now. Is it still on your playlists? Yes.
3: Um I actually want to know what that song you were you were just playing was.
1: Ah, now for our listeners, Mark was waiting <laughs> in our studio and there was a song on a loop because I stuffed up time zones. No, it wasn't actually my fault. I blame Daylight Saving this time. But yeah, you were listening to a little track called Happy.
3: I, I assume that was what the title of the song was, but like is so that's a leftover
1: tension track, is it? It is. I understand it is. Chris, have you heard Happy?
4: I haven't. I've got to catch up on a few of these new ones that are floating out around there.
1: Okay. Well, I promise because there's no copyright issues. Hey! Yay! So I'm Absolutely. going to play it at the end of this, okay? So you can all have it. Everyone can have a listen to what Mark had to listen to about 4,000 times. Well, well I I was have, waiting I've heard now. it a
3: couple of thousand times
1: while I was <laughs> waiting. I, well, um, I, why is Mark. that I have to say, Mark, one of the problems is for Tension, they recorded just two-and-a-half-minute songs at the most, so that's why you heard it so many times.
3: Well, I, I don't understand why that one wasn't on, on the album. It, it would have fitted in quite well with I hands, I think. I agree.
1: No, why are you running out of patience with Tension? Oh,
3: look, I, I, I just don't think it's as, as good as Golden and Disco, and um, I, I do find it really curious that there's these three random Songs that she didn't write that don't seem to fit with anything else on it, and I'm actually wondering if two of them are only there to justify the existence of Padam. To be honest,
1: what are you talking about? There, hands, green light, those two.
3: Yeah, so those,
1: those are the only ones she didn't write, right? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Well, as far as I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just go. Why are these songs
3: on here? They don't sort of fit in with anything else.
4: Oh, look, I'm still listening to it. Um, just as much as I was. Um, look, I, I enjoy it. Um, it's, you know what, it's it's a funny thing, this album, because it is a little bit divided, you know, and a lot of people are saying the same sort of feedback in terms of hands and and green light. Um, I, I, they're two that I really like, actually. I, I think they do belong there. I mean, I, I can understand other people's sort of point of view on that they don't entirely fit or it slows the momentum of the vibe a little bit, but look, I, I really enjoy them. Um, In fact, I enjoy them than a couple of others that are on there that, that she has written, which you probably know all about from previous discussions, but still listen to it a great deal. I love it. It's on the car, on the way to work every day.
1: And for me, yeah, it just keeps growing on me, I've got to say. I, I It just keeps getting better and better as far as I'm concerned. There's some tracks on there that I didn't stand out for me at the beginning but now i'm i'm in love with them i think it's a great album um, oh by the way introductions you're in the fortress mark chris chris mark mark hi chris, how you doing mark.
4: good how are you
1: not bad very rude of me i apologize uh, you've both been on the show before can i just wet your appetite for a moment
4: sure absolutely
3: all their lives they were told they mustn't
0: they shouldn't they can't. One year, they
1: did. Some rules were meant to be broken. Kylie Minogue, the delinquents. Mark, one year they did. Did what? What did they do? I don't know, but the adults were not happy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Every parent in a... But i I'm going to put this in context, okay? So we're talking about the delinquents today. Just a quick brief um, revisit of this... 1989 film, but when you yeah. think about it, we were all not all of us, but most of us Kylie fans, we were just little kids into someone very sweet and pure and popish, and parents were like, "Oh, that's cute, that's nice." Yeah. So it might have been a bit of a shock for them, especially if they read the reviews in the media that sort of suggested it was X-rated, right?
3: Well, the, the, I don't think that the poster helped. <laughs> Our parents to be going, sure we'll take you to see this movie. <laughs> my mum's response was no, you are not seeing this movie. Don't don't ask again.
1: That was it. <laughs> so did you end up seeing it? What did you do about your mum's little you know caveat oh, it, there? It,
3: it was years before I got to see it. I don't think okay. I, I think I was about fourteen when I got to see it. But my grandmother went and bought me the cassette soundtrack
0: because oh,
3: that was my, that thing. was the only thing and and I was so um, transfixed on that poster because it was just so elusive and something that I wasn't allowed to see and I, like that I just find I think that poster is such a striking image and I don't like to throw around the word iconic often But I do think that that is one of the most iconic images in Kylie history ever, that delinquents
1: cover. I must agree with you, Mark, because uh, off to David Jones we went, or I went, and picked it up on a board. You know, you could get posters back in the day, but this one was actually plastered onto a big board board, Mm. and up it went on the bedroom and it stayed there for my entire teenage until I left home. In fact, my parents rang me and said, you need to come and get this delinquents post. And I was like, I don't really want it anymore, to be honest. I can't put it in this new house I've got. So God knows where it is now. (laughs) should have put it in the pool room. First house out of home. Do you think it had a pool room, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have a bathroom. You should, told, told
4: should have told them to put it in the pool room.
1: <laughs> Chris, were you banned from seeing this film?
4: Do you know what? I was, um, I don't know how old you guys are. I was, I was, what, what are we talking, 1989? I was six at the time. Um, I was nine. You know, I was as nine. much as much as I was, you know, I was a huge Kylie fan as a kid, as you know, Um You know, loved The Locomotion, I should be so lucky, loved all the singles, loved it to death. But I was probably not quite yet at the age where it was really on my radar at the time. It it kind of um, was something that I watched much later on, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, look, this is a true story which I might have told before. I was banned, but I went, and it was not like me, but I went. And when it got to that famous what we'd all heard about, Kylie Goes Topless, right, that's all you heard. And Mm. that was the main reason most of us wanted to go out the window and go and watch it, I think. Um, As soon as it came to that bit, hand on heart, this is the truth, she was just taking off the bra, or I think he was taking it off, and the projector stopped. Oh. And... The whole movie theatre, boo, wah, <laughs> popcorn everywhere. Um, it was hilarious. Like, me, we, I went with a friend and we were just looking around and there was people up in arms and it took 10 minutes to get it going again. I think the projector guy, who was probably about 80, because they always are, probably had a heart attack and she took the bra off. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fans, Mark, who came on board during Fever and then there are extra blow-ins. Oh, sorry, I mean fans who came in. Uh, around Padam Padam, <laughs> why should yeah. they care about the delinquents?
3: Um, it, I, I just think it's a really important piece of Kylie history, really, because it, it 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 transitioned it really transitioned her out of that image and into that rhythm of love image and the rest of what she actively pursued for um, brand Kylie after that. Um, so that's I, I think that everyone who's a Kylie fan should watch it because that's where that happened.
1: So absolutely right, Mark. Basically, in in '89, she had just finished recording uh, "Enjoy Yourself." She was really excited about it. There's a few interviews at the time going. People are going to really enjoy my second album. It's a real progression from the first, which is very cute and very sweet. And but it wasn't. then <laughs> she went straight from that into filming the Delinquents and. It was, well, put it this way, it it was meant to be the vehicle that would propel her from uh, the singing soap star, very successful one, into a global film and acting icon. And if you don't believe me, just have a quick listen to this from the press junket that happened before they even started filming.
3: I I think something of interest that that happened literally at 5 to 12 before I arrived here, it's not in the press release is I I just concluded a telephone call with Terry Semmel, the president of Warner Brothers, and we've closed a deal for Warners to release the film worldwide and Terry Semmel said and I quote, he said after our relationship with Australia with Mad Max and Young Einstein we're delighted to have concluded a deal to distribute village roadshows to delinquents as the studio that brought the world Bette Davis and Jane Fonda uh, we share your belief Kylie I will be the world's next big movie star. Already we've set the releases in UK, Japan, opening December twenty You've got a great script, so get in there and make a
4: great movie. End quote.
1: Amazing stuff, right? They, they were hinging a lot on this film, I've got to say. So when, when we say, why should you care about this? It was a massive moment, wasn't it, Chris, for Kylie? This was a huge career moment for her.
4: It was huge, yeah, absolutely, and I think it's incremental in her kind of history back catalogue of everything she's done, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it look it's definitely because it was during that transition period. You know, she'd started she'd started dating Michael Hutchence. Um, I still remember those, um, you, you know, front page of the paper and the the delinquents premiere where she was in that kind of sequined noughts and crosses dress with him, and everyone had thought she'd cut her hair because she had that really cropped sort of pixie blonde wig thing on. Um, it was just everything surrounding that time for her was just, it was an evolution of where she'd come from and everything we knew um, to show this different sort of side of her, I guess. And I think that's what so many people love about Kylie is that sort of, um, you know, light and shade of her, I guess. And and as a, what's interesting about her when she does act, and this being one of the, well, being the first film that she did We all knew her as this sort of squeaky clean, smiley Kylie. But when she chooses her acting roles, she chooses these much feistier sort of characters, which gives people a completely different sort of perception of her, you know. And that was the start of that.
1: It's almost like, what is it? The cocoon, right? She's in the cocoon. And after this was released, she literally at the premiere, she came out of her cocoon.
4: Mm. Mm.
1: Tell us about the movie, Mark.
3: It's it's basically the Australian version of um, Romeo and Juliet, really, and it's a really light version of it, and with no suicide at the end, but it's still got its thing about the forbidden love of young people, yeah. and that's. That's pretty, pretty straightforward storyline, isn't it? Pretty much I, what it's about. Then it's got based on
1: this. a book by it's Kriena Rohan, I think. Uh, did any of you have to study this during your HSC? Which, by the way, international listeners—that's our final high school exams—I'm sure it was on the um, curriculum.
3: I didn't I, have to study it, but I did I read, it. read it.
1: You did read it.
3: I, I, I did read it. For one thing, um, it's interesting that Lola level is not. Um, an Australian girl. She's actually um, meant to be um, a girl who came across from Singapore. But the book is a hell of a lot more dark than the movie. It? It's Absolutely. Um, well, well it, it's it's interesting. There's, there's a part in the riot scene where, she, you know, that bit where she's sitting on the floor um, and she, it looks like she's, they've done some great makeup on it. It looks like she's got a massive... Um, lump on the front of her forehead and and she's sort of shaking um, while all of that chaos is going on around her and um, in the movie she actually had um, a miscarriage on the floor in ah, the middle of that scene in the book
1: yes yeah yes. Yeah, I, I do remember the book being a lot darker. I read it um after the the Delinquents movie came out. Chris, did you get into the movie later? You said you were too young at the time, but when do you remember watching it at first and what your impressions were?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, I, I probably would have seen it for the first. I probably would have been twelve or thirteen. I would have thought, um, but I, I, look, I, I loved it. I still do, and it is still something that on the odd Friday or Saturday night I go, oh, you know, what haven't I revisited in ages? And and that's one that always seems to come out of the woodwork. You know, I, I just, I, I love it. I love that era of her. Um, I love obviously these days that I live in Brisbane and it was f- for the major part shot in Brisbane, you know. Mm. So um, I see a lot of those streets daily on my, on my commute to work, you know, and I, I think about the delinquents every morning when I'm crossing the street because I walk through... <laughs> I walk across Anne Street in Brisbane, through Anzac Square, through those down those stairs that she goes through on the way where the you know the scene where Mum's taking her off the abortion and whatnot. So I, it's strangely enough, something I think about every single morning.
1: It's <laughs> a charming way to start off the day. And I
4: go, oh, Kylie's foot's been on that paver and all that sort of stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, that is pretty cool when you put it that way. As long as it's not making you think about abortions, but that's yeah. that's okay. Certainly not.
4: No. <laughs> but
3: what 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 does it look like now in comparison to what you see in the film because like I, I all, like I genuinely think that the production design on that film is just it's really really good like it doesn't look like it was overly expensive to do but that it was very detailed in in the costumes and the sets and um
4: like what does it look like now in comparison <laughs> um this the scenes here in brisbane where they actually shot it are relatively the same i've got to say one of the major intersections um that they use with a bit where he runs out to the car and and all that sort of stuff that's quite a major intersection here in brisbane that great big heritage listed building on the corner which is the hotel that she sort of you know where she's staying at the time um to this day is still like it's a heritage listed building it's being restored at the moment but it's a it's a Backpackers Lodge that's still there and everything, that intersection looks quite the same. Um, and the other bit, the other side where sort of, you know, mum's on, in the phone booth and that sort of thing, that's out the front of Central Station where they cross the street to Anzac Square, which is obviously a, um, you know, inner city Brisbane memorial for returned veterans and that sort of thing. So that that is all exactly how it looked in the film other than uh, I'm a bit of a freak. I've gone back and freeze-framed and tried to look what's different, that phone booth. Whether it was there for the purpose of the film or not is not there, but everything else—the facade of the building, the street, Anzac Square—identical to how it looks.
1: Well, the phone booth might not be there because she smashed it up. Smash <laughs> True, girl was. <laughs> I love that scene. And do you remember in
3: the, um, uh, on the old VHSs, they used to have like this montage of the vi- of Village Roadshow movies, and yes, that was the shot of um. Kylie that was amongst you know Nicole Kidman and Mel Gibson mm. and all of that it, it was always the shot of <laughs> throwing the phone through the through the really phone nice. booth thing and, and smashing it and screaming and I'm like I always thought I'm so glad they used that shot
1: <laughs> it was fairly roasted by the critics at the time and I'm glad you both still enjoy watching it that's pretty cool there are some very iconic fan favorite moments in this film, we have to talk about, Mark. I'm going to go to you first. Our favourite character, probably, Auntie.
3: Oh, that, you know what? I, that poor I woman, her. she was really just doing her job. Like, oh,
1: she was a nasty old stick. Well, Don't defend Auntie. Oh, but you, you know that bit when,
3: um, you know, she, she had her tantrum in, in, in the lounge room and, Oh, sorry! In, in the in the kitchen, and punched her, and then ripped off her clothes, and, and she's like, "I'm,", I'm and she's like, "You're going back on the street again, aren't you?" She's like, Anywhere's better than here, and, and runs out. Um, yeah, she just looked so sad and hurt <laughs> that the that the whole situation <laughs> had failed, and she'd run off, and like I, I thought, you know, that she really was just doing a job. <laughs> no, she's awful.
4: Oh, she's she is, but at the end of the day she was just doing her job. Sorry. <laughs> True. Look, she's a great character, let's say that. Do I like her? No.
5: <laughs>
1: I like the other little character that's in that scene that never gets mentioned. The success. Oh, her. Story. Like,
4: she's
3: hilarious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she comes over all proper and prim, right? What does
3: what, what does she say? She says something like, Um No, Isabel, I'll go and get some linoleum for the kitchen. And Kylie's just looking at her like, You're are you fucking kidding?
1: <laughs> Susie Homemaker, basically. I think yeah. that's probably character's
3: name. <laughs> but remember that look on her face when she when she's like, "Are you serious? I'll get the mail."
1: <laughs> and come on, we have to talk about the fist in the cake, Chris. I mean, have you ever replicated that moment in your life, Chris?
4: I can't say. I can't say. I have fisted a cake. <laughs> I, <can't>.
1: I see. <laughs>
4: no, I it sounded weird.
1: Well, at your next birthday, can you make an effort?
4: Absolutely. Look, I'll um, yeah, I'll do it. We'll do a live broadcast. How's that?
1: Yeah, I'll just I'll just role play the last bit of it. The whole family's standing around you. Happy birthday to you! Absolutely, and we'll get right oh, into it. Right there, and just that's chuckle. exactly the moment. Just shock, your, shock your whole clan. Why not? Boson, I think his name was was played by uh, Bruno Lawrence who passed away. He was also in Frontline some years after.
3: Oh, that's Uh, right.
1: He was a great character in this, wasn't he?
3: Well, he was the only adult that was nice to them. Every other adult that they encountered was just awful. Mm. And then there's this one nice person amongst the adult population of Australia in 1957.
1: They actually stumped up with some incredible talent for this film. They really did. Angela Punch McGregor. Yeah, as Auntie, wasn't she? And Bruno Lawrence here, so really well-established um, actors. By the way, have a have a quick listen to what Kylie had to say before she started filming, and you might recognise the voice at the very beginning if you listen really, really carefully. So do you want to be that big glamorous Hollywood star, or do you always want to
4: be our little
0: pilot?
4: <laughs> very quaint. <laughs> <it's> um, <laughs> I, I'm not doing this to to reach a point of glamour and stardom. I'm doing it as gradual steps and a progression in my own career. I'm just working towards doing better things all the time. Do you
0: think the film industry will be tougher than the music industry?
4: I don't know. I don't know that much about
0: the film industry. Um, I guess they're as tough as each other. I'm sure God knows how many movies put out each year and how many actually make it to the screen.
1: Did you recognise that voice at the no, beginning? No, I, I, I didn't. sorry. <laughs> couldn't hear it. Yeah, it was probably very muffled. Uh, that was actually, Larry, well, I'm thinking it's Larry Emder.
0: Really? No, okay. Which
1: only Australian listeners will know, but he's a, well, a game show host. He's a bit of one of those people that do everything on TV. He's, he's got a mm. bright smile. Come he's very inoffensive. Down. Come on down. Price is right, all that sort of stuff. But when you need someone inoffensive that's not going to cause any scandal, you put Larry Emder. And when you want to cause scandal and you want to offend people, you put in Andrew O'Keefe. That's just the way it goes. (laughs) Uh, We all know that this was nowhere near as raunchy as the media made out beforehand. Some of them were actually literally saying it was porn. Uh, There was a big hoo-ha about the rating that was put on the film. Was it going to be R? Some people even suggested it was going to be X. It didn't end up being either. Oh, God,
3: as if it was going to be X. I mean, that was ridiculous. I know <laughs> I
1: know well I wanted it to be but yeah it was very disappointing what did you make of the sex scenes and the nudity and all the flesh on show there Chris I
4: thought it was done I mean look it was a it was a different time to now but it was still you're right it was nothing like the media portrayed it to be you know um it, it was done very tastefully i I thought you know um and I liked that it was you know it was it was just real you know it wasn't trying to um, sugarcoat anything, and um, let's be honest. When I mean, people that age were doing that sort of stuff at the time, you know what I mean. It was just, it was it was normal to me. Mark, was it a
1: mistake for Kylie to get her boobs out?
3: Well, she didn't. She didn't really like. You, you
1: couldn't. Yeah, it she did. It,
3: like, like she she did. Many of you,
1: my freeze frames would tell you she did. But that's
3: the that's the thing. You had to freeze free, free, frame it to, to get a decent look. It's not like she. You know, Ooh, here they are. <laughs> like. The, 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 it was ve- like you barely saw anything and it was I, I think it was it was tastefully and appropriately done for the audience that was going to watch it to be honest Agreed.
1: my goodness i'm getting the politically correct answers here today do you know what i think it was I, I think at the
4: time it was just the media again having another crack of you know coming off the you know coming off the bat of calling her the singing budgie and this and that and you know she copped so much flack at the time and, was called a no talent and this, that, whatever else. And it was just another excuse to go, hang on a minute, you know, this is a this is a turn for her. You know, it, it was just an excuse for them to dig up stories and try and paint it in a distasteful light in which it wasn't.
1: And look, in all seriousness, I, I think about what it was like to be 21 and I believe she was 21 when she uh, or maybe even 20 when she started filming this to walk onto the set and I'm sure she describes this at some stage I'm not just pulling it out of my head Uh, walking onto the set with such established actors film crew um, and movie producers everyone who knew their business and she walked in and even though Chris you're saying the media um was sort of anticipating judgment here mm. apparently there were quite a few people in the industry too that were cynical about the fact that she got cast um so i my hat is so off to her for even walking in uh but she's such a pro isn't she right back then she she would learn her lines she took her coaching and then she'd walk onto set and she'd get the job done that was the neighbors training probably mm. that was right. Oh, at ab- play there. Well,
3: absolutely like she would have known how to learn her lines and um, and also because a f- the film, the, the process of making a film is completely different to a soap. She was probably able to really think about how she delivered her lines and had more time to focus on that. And I think she did really well for her first acting role in a, in a film. Like, working on, on a soap is one thing, but... Um, she actually really did a good job for her first film. And, and I don't think people give her enough credit for that, to be honest.
4: I agree.
1: Well, that is the big question though, Chris. So, you know, the question was, rightly or wrongly, before it came out, could can she act? Is she the real deal? What do you think after watching the film? Um, look, I, I, I,
4: I don't think there's any doubt that Kylie can act. Um it's funny the way that her career turned. Do I think she's a better singer and entertainer than she is an actor? Yeah, absolutely. I do. Um, I think at, at the time it was impressive because you saw that other side of her and you could, you could see her career taking that different direction. So if that answers your question, then yeah, absolutely.
1: I thought she did a really reasonable job here. I actually am quite critical of Kylie's acting, um, I only was just watching Watch What Happens Live uh, a couple of days ago and she was on it with that Frodo from that awful science fiction movie. Oh, yeah. And Andy Cohen pulled out a script and made them do it on the spot and she just does this thing. I've spoken to you about it before, Chris, where she just instantly goes into this sort of sarcastic mode and it mm. really bothers me. But she didn't do that in The Delinquents. I have to give her credit. She she was like I remembering even that it's such an, Innocuous scene, but on the train where she has to pick the hand that might have the wedding ring in it mm. or the engagement ring, I should say, uh, she was just so calm and you know, that was and real acting, natural, to me. And, like she was yeah. natural
3: a lot of the, it. it like, the, like that scene, um, where she went berserk at Auntie, like she, she really overacted in that scene, to be honest. Yes. But yes, that, you know, um, that scene that you're talking about there, where th- there wasn't really a lot of um, words in that scene, so she had to portray what she was doing.
1: And she's such a good actress like that. Madonna and Kylie, when there's no uh, dialogue, amazing actress mm. that can communicate anything. Mm.
3: But so you actually i would to- never
1: thought of that, Mark, the fact that she didn't have to speak in that scene might have something to do with it.
3: Well, it, it, it's not even just that. It, like you've got to remember that she had been doing Neighbours for quite a while, so she was used to acting. When you said that you're quite critical of Kylie's performance, I completely agree with you. But I think the problem is that she's out of practice when she goes and does these other projects and she's not used to Mm. acting. And she doesn't practice acting, so she's not great at it.
1: So... The other issue that was at play, and I love this film too. Funnily enough, you can enjoy a film even when you know it's not perfect, right? Uh, yeah. But the other thing that I think was a disadvantage for Kylie was at times, not at all times, but sometimes the script. When you think about that scene where she's in the juvenile justice and the hard ass big matron or whatever she's called I love is that scene. swinging her keys <laughs> and little tiny Kylie, you know, who looks, no matter how much effort they put into the costume, it looks like she... Couldn't squash a grape. She stands there and goes, bastards. I have known whatever she says. <laughs> you know what? This is very unconvincing. But I'm not convinced it's Kylie's fault in that particular scenario. I think the script is just—it's it, a bit I silly. That's—it's
3: a bit silly that scene. But like a parody of like, could you imagine that scene in Wentworth? Like, or oh, sorry, in Prisoner, not in Wentworth, in <laughs> Prisoner.
1: <laughs> yes, actually, it's you like can, Kylie can't you?
3: meeting the freak. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Now, Chris, I haven't asked you, what's your favourite moment in this film, if you have one? Oh,
4: gosh. What is my favourite moment? I've got
1: some favourite quotes. Can I kick you off? Yeah. Something wrong with my plumbing. <laughs> I love that. Because we haven't spoke about that character yet. Um, what was her name? The The lady who couldn't have Mavis. children. Mavis. Mavis and I mm. saw, oh, was Mavis the woman who turned up in Muriel's wedding as the mother? No, oh, no, I don't think so. They're different ladies. I okay. think that's a different woman. <laughs> Am I typecasting? Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they look a little bit the same, right? They
3: do. Um, but I, 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 Desiree, I what's her name? Desiree Smith? Is that what her name was?
1: I don't know. I've, don't I've got know. the
3: DVD box here. I think that's what it says on the back.
1: But she dies, doesn't she? In she the dies, film? yeah. During childbirth? Yeah. Oh, well, oh just that's after. the whole point, isn't it? She dies during childbirth and then the father, yeah, a good one. This is a great reputation for fathers out there. Father couldn't handle being a single dad, so he gives the baby to Lola, doesn't he? Yep. The- and yeah. Then they,
3: and, and then they have to get married because the um- – Docs basically says that you you, you can't have have the baby unless you're a married couple. So they get married. Like, like really, that's that's why they got married. (laughs) In the end, it's like, oh, okay, great start to a marriage, isn't
1: it? That (laughs) I tell you, one of my favourite scenes, which I don't think anyone else would even blink is when um, she distracts the man at the movie cinema while Charlie's up the Oh, pipe yeah, I love that. Stealing
3: that, that that's really cute. That, that and the, um, where meet. Yeah.
1: the line is, um, um, are you playing some movie again? He goes, I don't think so. And he goes, it Just, was, it was really popular. Says, <laughs> and, I, and he turns with his signing at not with, with normal, normal people. <laughs> <laughs> Something my dad would say.
3: <laughs> my my favourite line is when she's writing the letter to Brownie to come and rescue her and the uh, and the woman uh, what's her name auntie's walking around trying to find her and and she shouts out from the bathroom can't i even shit in peace
4: <laughs> i love
3: it now, in <laughs> the <laughs> cinema
1: that caused that actually caused a stir in the cinema because really? nobody had heard Kylie swear before i think yeah people went ooh <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it got a laugh it got a can reaction i, I remember I even
3: shit in peace i love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: it's your ringtone now isn't it mark
3: I'm going to make it my ringtone, ring along with that <laughs> other one, which is now my text thing that I sent you from Street I'll point. tell you something.
4: I love looking back on that because she doesn't – I miss that little Australian Kylie voice that she had in the beginning. I know, so the, do I. You know what I mean? I love looking back at stuff and, and – interviews where she talks so like she sounds like you know dot the kangaroo or something you know like when you're oh, a kid oh
1: god that's a flashback dot the kangaroo <laughs> the bun-yip. You know, I remember
4: really, that oh
1: my god it was like and uh, she's
4: really Aussie, you know it's just hilarious it just entertains me
1: oh actually you know what stay tuned listeners because chris has just provoked a memory in me i'm going to play the bunyip song if i ever can <laughs> <laughs> did, it, did it keep you guys up at night And the Bunyip's very bold
0: And they tell me that the Bunyip's Now a thousand years old So you better come home
1: Horrible song. <laughs> Horrible scene. It's traumatized me for life. I think I had repressed that. I've got to say really quickly, David Stratton, who is a very well-respected movie critic in Australia. I don't know if he's I think he's clinging on for Dear Life, but I don't think he's very well. He'd be um, up there. He was a huge advocate for Australian film back in the day and throughout his entire life. And even before Kylie was cast, he was furious about the fact that the character of Brownie, played by Charlie, mm. uh, was going to be going to American. an American rather than an Australian.
3: Apparently Ben Mendelsohn Mendelssohn was considered for that role as he well. He had it.
1: Yes. But he, ha- he, he had he had
3: it and they and they dumped him, did they?
1: Uh I I don't know why, but it changed, yeah. I don't know if they dumped him, but they it certainly changed, obviously. I but, think it was a
4: conflict of of projects he had going on at the time.
1: Right. And Charlie I, I was his career was Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Mark. I said I can't remember in the
3: book if the character even was American or not. I don't remember.
1: After the movie came out, uh, David Stratton, he, he maintained that sort of fierce disgust that he had. He called the movie trite. Uh, he felt that uh, Schlatter was miscast, which was very polite. Even though I think he acted beautifully, I don't in this think film. he was
3: miscast. I think he was fine. I understand. I understand what he's saying, but I don't think he was miscast.
1: And then, Mark, about uh, Kylie, David's review was, as for Minogue, the verdict is still out regarding a future acting career, but it's unfair to judge her on this material. He was not a fan. Mm.
3: Mm. Let's, I, I wouldn't expect David Stratton to have liked it anyway.
1: Honest. <laughs> 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 took a lot to impress that man, didn't it? Well, it took, it took, it, you're right, it did. If you impress David Stratton, his snow-white beard would turn pink. <laughs> that's how you knew you'd passed his grade.
4: Which was not often.
1: <laughs> not often, no, that's right. In the Radio Times, that gave the film two stars out of five and called it A Passable Tale of Teenage Torment. <laughs> torment. Oh, ouch.
3: <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I I can understand. Like, there's a lot of things that are made for a certain audience that the critics don't like, but it's not really made for... Like, like if, if I were to watch... If that movie were to come out now and it had nothing to do with Kylie and I was to watch it, I'd go, this is not great, probably.
1: Some people talk about Better of a Devil, you know, as being that moment where the image really right. just thundered in. But actually, there's a small segue, the very single before, Tears on My Pillow, Yeah, but it, it, it was That's a amazing. good bridge.
3: It was a very good bridge. Oh, yeah. Mm.
1: Absolutely. All right. I, as I said, there's a lot of new Kylie fans who've never heard of this movie or watched it before should they watch it mark oh yeah i think they should watch it i I don't think that you should go in there thinking that you're going to
3: watch something that's you know mind blowingly you know amazing but you're gonna you're gonna go in there and watch a, a, a sweet little movie that has kylie in it and if you're a kylie fan there's no reason why you wouldn't like it really
1: Going to ask you the same question, Chris, but I've got a couple of quick comments to make. A, her laugh was absolutely roasted at the time. You talked about her funny, cute little accent. That was sweet, but that laugh, honestly, even I wanted to peel my ears off. And how many birthdays did she have in this film? Every scene. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> she must have been forty-two by the time it ended.
3: What what, what, what did, what, did the, what was the at the very end when she was in the institution and the woman goes, "It's your eighteenth birthday. What, what would you like to do to celebrate?" And she goes, "I'd like to live to make see
1: Happy birthday, Lola! <laughs> I, it's so unnecessary the sarcasm. I'm sure she's 100 inmate.
3: Awful that woman. She like if you if like she was like auntie times fifty. She was awful.
4: Look, I think if you're any form of Kylie fan, you should absolutely watch this movie. It's just it's just part of her history. Um, if, however, you're one of these as you call them <laughs> blow-ins, which <laughs> entertains me that, that have hopped on at padam um, padam. Don't watch it. You, it's you not won't you. get you. You're not going to get it. You, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You, you'll probably look at it as two hours that you'll you'll never get back. I, I don't <laughs> I don't think it's for the new ones.
1: I love the psychology behind this, Chris. If you joined at Fever, you might get a kick out of it. But if you joined at Padam, don't waste your time. Absolutely. You've nailed it. (laughs) 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 It's true. Uh, It's true. Well, this has been fun. I've actually inspired to go and watch it. Apparently, it's on ABC iView, somebody told me. Uh,
4: And it's on Stan as well, I think.
1: Well, let's all go and hunt it down. I loved the soundtrack too. You should listen to that. It introduced me. Kylie always did this. She kept introducing me to new genres. So I listened to that soundtrack and thought I wouldn't like it, but I actually really love the songs on that. Oh, and um, Johnny Diesel and The Injectors. I with, love um,
3: that song. That is a really, really great song. The, um, yeah, what is it again? Please, please send me somebody to love. That is a great song.
1: It's fantastic. It was very hard to find, Mark. For years, it's finally on Spotify, I think. It just wasn't under his back catalogue. Yeah, I know.
3: I'd looked it up because I wanted to put it on my phone for the car, and I'm like,
1: oh, it's not there. Mark and Chris, my favourite delinquents. It's amazing. You're listening to Time to Talk? The uh – the universe just wants to let you know that you're right. In the last podcast, I talked about Kylie uh, frequently breaking the illusion of superstardom by releasing these behind the scenes. She's big on it, always has been, right back to Kylie on the go. You get to see behind the scenes, behind the scenes. A little bit of that is all right, but When you look at something like Tension, which is such a fantasy, the video clip I'm talking about, like, really? She releases a behind-the-scenes and smashes that illusion? Strangely, actually, is it a coincidence? Probably not, because our phones are listening to us. So, on YouTube, popped up Agnes Moorhead. Do you remember her? Agnes Moorhead was, um, not Esmeralda, Endora from Bewitched. She played the mother. She was a very famous actress, very big, bold personality, a bit like Betty Davis, actually, in that sense. Well, funnily enough, she hated interviews, but on the set of Bewitched, a journalist got in there and asked about exactly this theme. And this is what Agnes Moorhead has to say about the breaking of Illusion. Of it. But the in-depth interviews
0: that people, the actresses have been getting nowadays, do you go along with this sort of thing? Uh, showing them The same, the same trite questions, but then to go backstage and take uh, pictures of what the actors and actresses are like off camera. No, I don't believe in that at all. Why? Because I think that breaks the illusion. And I don't think the audience should know anything about the inside workings of either a play or a television or radio. That is the actor's kingdom and uh, they are the ones that have to create the illusion and if they create it well enough and if it is a very beautiful thing then people will buy tickets i sometimes think that when they see it they are disillusioned and they don't particularly care about it it's like someone going into a restaurant and saying well i must see the kitchen (laughs) and they go into a kitchen and they look at it and probably they uh, don't want to eat the dish that they thought was so marvelous on someone else's table
3: Sometimes amateurs know best, and a lack of professionalism is all you'll hear on the Time to Talk show. Join Tim and his panel of guests as they wade their way through a range of news, music, and pop culture treats. Time to Talk, the show hosted by amateurs for unprofessional listeners.
0: Amateurs, is this the best that they could do?
1: Henrik, how are you?
5: Hi, do you hear me?
1: Absolutely. How's your health, friend? How's your health?
5: No, uh, the the leg has recovered uh, very well. Uh, the uh, since, so the leg has recovered very fast. So.
1: Wow! Congratulations. You must be lovely to be back into a routine.
5: Go back to you know long walks, to the gym, the work, and everything. Before I was like, and during those two weeks, I was like yay me i cannot do anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so you're bored <laughs> you're far but, too
1: smart henrik to be sitting around doing nothing that's for sure
5: yeah i even excused myself while doing youtube I was like excuse me but i'm so bored right now so i'm gonna record a whole lot now <laughs> good <laughs> and for it you it worked and it worked my uh, subscribers has skyrocketed this year so i was like yay
1: Okay, so before we even get into your Madonna experience, uh, tell people yeah. where they can find you.
5: I mean they can find me on oh my god, I always is it bad I always forgot my own YouTube name?
1: <laughs> Listen, I don't even know my Facebook page. I think it might be time to talk dot show or something. It's too hard. So
5: I yeah, get you. But people can find me on Henrik Larson Eurovision channel on YouTube and you know, the real one, Henrik Larson, on Instagram, that is where I'm most active.
1: If if people go to YouTube and type in Henrik Lawson Eurovision, they'll probably find you, right?
5: Yeah, Eurovision channel, just in case.
1: Perfect, perfect. Now, this is exciting. You waited and you waited Ooh. to see the Queen return. Yeah. Tell us where you saw her and listen, I'm just gonna sit back, if it's alright with you, I'm gonna sit here with my cigar. And I put my hey. feet up on the uh. table. Tell me about and your Madonna into, uh, experience.
5: I mean, no, I went to uh, the Madonna concert in Teleto Arena in Stockholm uh, yesterday, October twenty-eighth, and so that, was, that is like two days ago with my mother. And uh, well, we had some drama before. we before oh, hang the on, Henry. Start.
1: I, I said that I was going to sit back with my cigar, but I'm not letting that pass. You took your mother to a Madonna show.
5: Yeah, she was, all in, she was all into it because she likes Madonna as well. She we have, my, Me and my mother has kind of the same music taste, so we enjoy each Yeah, she, she might music. like
1: Madonna's music, but does she mind it when Madonna gets her tits out?
5: She didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Are they the
1: same age? Uh,
5: Yeah, that was the thing she was saying through her whole show. She was like, she's one year younger than me. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so she found no. that
1: remarkable okay carry on I'll stop interrupting now
5: no it's no. I mean yeah David asked the same question it was like why didn't you take your boyfriend I was like yeah I wanted to but he was no interested to go see Madonna I think the Eurovision 2019 performers made a curse on her for people because they was like oh so he didn't want to go I was going was gonna to take my neighbor because she is a huge Madonna fan but She had to work, so she was like, okay, I have no one left. Mom, do you want to go? And she was like, yes, I want to go. Oh, God, I hope your mom doesn't listen to this. So your mom was just the last resort. She knows.
1: (laughs) Actually, the last resort was just letting the ticket go to waste, and the second last resort was mom.
5: Yeah, but, um, I mean, I would go either way, but she she knows that I had uh, asked other people before, but she was okay with that.
1: So what was the drama that happened just before the concert?
5: Oh, Jesus. I mean, uh, the, the drama first, it, I mean, the journey to the tele Arena was smooth. and But when we got there and we're still in line because Tele2, Tele2 Arena has, you know, all the sections based on the letters on the alphabet, and we, So we were going to the to, to gate L. That was our gate we were supposed to stand in. So we're standing there, and then our security guard walks by, and they was like, yeah, they're going to have a sound check. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) So I was like, wait, are you kidding me? It's freezing cold outside in Sweden right now. We are standing here, and I see people, you know, all from short dresses to long coats. I was like, are you you kidding me? So we're still outside in the freezing cold for 30 minutes. Wow.
1: Okay, so yeah. you're out in the cold for half an hour. There's your drama.
5: Yeah, that's the first drama. And then we're going inside and we are sitting down and having a chit-chat. My brother was also at the arena. I didn't know that. So we had, chit- we had a chit-chat and then we're sitting there be like, okay, it's 8 o'clock, 8.30. Okay, what is happening? Nothing going on. Then I read the news. There are huge delays and then I had a woman next to me. We, we chit-chatted throughout the whole delay. And she was also a YouTuber. So I was like, okay, we can talk YouTube stuff. How nice. So she showed me on the phone that, I mean, this is like an hour. Because the people I, I recognize the people who are sitting in front of the seats in front of my mother showed up an hour later. They showed up 9.30. I was like, wow. I'm going to tell you, we were body search. Every single one who visited the arena was body searched.
1: Hang on a second. Was your mother body searched? We all were
5: i mean what, they does, a, what every- does a
1: body search look like in you your know you have to
5: stand like they have to stand like at there's you know touch the body to see if you're gonna bring anything you know do you have to open your bag you have to the you know to touch the arms so you so they know that you don't carry something suspicious on you so Basically I think they had the body search between 30 or 40,000 people.
1: But isn't it lucky Henrik that body searching is actually the extracurricular hobby of most Madonna fans?
5: Yeah, yeah, but the thing is that I was like but we were there very early so we were, you know, it took like 5 seconds but her, the woman next sitting next to me she showed us photos that that the time that the Madonna concert was supposed to start the queue and lines outside was crazy. It was meant to start at 9. No,
1: 8.30. 8.30. And by this time, the part of the story up to, it's 9.30. Wow. Okay. And you're only and just filing I mean, in.
5: Yeah. They, it was like a wave of people. It was like, okay. It's, it's good. So basically, if Madonna started at 8.30, half the arena would have missed half the show. Yes, and I mean, I was I was so floored by it, because Bob the Drag Queen, out of nowhere, shows up dressed like Marie Antoinette, but it is, it is the nine, I think it's the 1990 Vogue MTV, Madonna, Marie Antoinette look, he was mm-hmm. showing up as that, walking around the crowd, and I mean, Bob the Drag Queen was an excellent star for the show, because I was so impressed with how he get the crowd going, because then he did a little celebration. It was like for five minutes. He was walking the back and forth, checking his makeup. He was he was perfect for this. I was so impressed with Bob the Drag Queen, how we get the audience involved in the show, because he was doing everything, and I was living for it.
1: What time did she arrive on stage?
5: I think it was like 9. I, was, I think I said 9.45, so one hour and 50 minutes later. So... But uh, let me tell you, when Bob the drag queen settled down throughout the town, and Madonna was opening the show with, I have, I have the set list. Nothing really matters. We was like, we don't care. She was delayed because this looks good.
1: <laughs> Isn't it an unbelievable opening? I've only seen the clips, of course. Can you tell uh, me? Was that opening when she arrives as every, magic. as what it seems?
5: It was magic. I was like she's alone on that stage with the circle lighting thingy above her In dressed in some weird black outfit with holes in the sleeves It was just her she had us hooked from the second she started singing and we, we were like fuck, fuck that she was late. This looks epic and she has no band. There's no dances with her just her on that stage she captivated us right from the start. It was oh, amazing!
1: Isn't that so amazing? And she can do that. One woman. Yeah,
5: but uh, however, uh, we had an issue with the sound. Well, I mean, first of all, where
1: were you though in the stadium? Give us a give us a hint.
5: I mean, I'm gonna say if 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 you're standing on the stage, I was sitting on the left uh, sitting arena, so I uh-huh. I had perfect view on the stage. I saw the runways. I saw everything. I was sitting perfect seating, st- I mean, lower part of the seating. if you're sitting like uh, when a good seats when you see a football game, I was sitting lower down on the stadium mm. with perfect view on the stage. It was everything.
1: So, tell us, what was the issue with the sound?
5: The bass was so loud. <laughs> I, mean, the, I mean, the pumping system in the Arena, that was working. So I was like, Wow, because it was so heavy. It was like a wave of bouncing bass and music. My mother covered her ears for two hours because the bass was so heavy.
1: Oh, poor mother. So, Henrik, here's a hard question for you. Is it possible that the bass wasn't too loud, but that your ears were just older than the last time you saw Madonna?
5: I have never seen Madonna, ever. What? I'm a a Madonna virgin.
1: (laughs) Well, not anymore. You've been deflowered.
5: Yeah, well, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I'm going to say we was, I mean, we were sitting there recording. And I mean, the thing is that when you watch the clips on the phone, the bass, you didn't hear anything. I mean, yeah. it was perfect because I had people behind me because we took, a, we were tourists. We took a bus from another city up to the arena. So we had, don't we didn't have to deal with the parking and people behind me on the bus back show me the clips, and the sound was perfect. Regardless, she sounded perfect on the stage. I mean, sure, you can hear she's older, but she had a perfect good vocals that night because the singing was not the issue. It was the bass that was too heavy. I was like, Jesus, this is heavy. (laughs)
1: Okay, so everyone, you're listening to Henrik, who's giving us a review of Madonna's Celebration Tour. We'd like to know what you think too, though. Can you give us a voice Memo. Please send us a voice memo if you've seen the show and tell us what you thought. Email it to Time to talk Australia at outlook.com Henrik, what were the highlights of this show?
5: Oh, let me tell. You. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna say I have um I have the playlist in front of me. I'm gonna say. The highlights from from nothing really matters up to the song "Holiday," which was song seven. It was like a, you know, nice, nice, nice. Be a lot because when "Holiday" was starting, the whole arena was dancing. I mean, I'm gonna say, i gonna, I'm gonna shade Beyonce here because my brother, who was at the concert as well, he told me that the Beyonce concert was so boring he fell asleep.
1: This- so this is a straight brother, I'm assuming.
5: Yes. He's my older brother, eight years older. He's so he's super straight. He was watching the Beyonce concert and compared this. Um, this was everything. So, with, when when the holiday song was going on, I mean, the dancing, I had Madonna fans around me. I had a woman like three seats down. She was standing up the whole time. I looked around. Everyone was dancing. Everyone was clapping. Everyone was in grooving. Everyone's. Was, everyone was up. No fans can complain of the Madonna right? fans. In Sweden, we atmosphere. were enjoying it.
1: So what was the average age, do you think, in that stadium?
5: I think, I mean, I'm going to say it was between 25 and 60. So I'm oh, going to say it was big, no younging. Huge
1: range, though. That's 25. Yeah, I'm going
5: to say we had everything from 20, I'm going to say maybe 30 to 60, 70 something, because I didn't see any 18-year-old. Maybe 25 to 60. I'm going to say that was the big rip.
1: Gap. And would you say it was equal male, female, or mainly male? Oh, yes. What do
5: you reckon? This was everything because there was equally gay. We had everything. I think you have the straight, you have the gays, you have the you had everyone there, and everyone was singing along. Because I was looking around and I could see the straight, the guys were singing along. I could see the straight women singing along. Everyone was enjoying this. There's
1: this mythology, Henrik, that Madonna only appeals, especially these days, to the gaze, quote, unquote, but it's just not true. She has such a huge crossover appeal.
5: Mm-hmm. So was like, I mean, the first, I think, first you had the opening song with Not Really Matters. That was the big start. And then you have this nice build up to Holiday because everyone knows that song. And then uh, I'm going to say I enjoyed her like a prayer performance so much. I mean, you're going to say the Eurovision version was a fiasco, but if she had performed that version on the television stage 2019, it would be iconic. I mean, the setting, the dancers, the vocals, everything was perfect. I was like, damn, Madonna, you didn't perform that four years ago. It was perfect. That
1: that Eurovision performance is a very open wound for Madonna fans, isn't it? They wish they could erase it from history.
5: Yeah, if they watched this performance instead, it's going to recover. It's like a nice bandage on the wound. It was perfect. And then you have the whole, you know, fever, girl, just for my love. It was a little bit uh, erotic on stage when she uh, simulated sex with that dancer on stage. I was like, okay, Madonna, I see you, I see you. No, I mean, I, I was like, I really enjoy how they dressed her for this because then she, you know, went into little, you know, little short uh, red, um, you know, slip, nice bed dressing slippery thing or something. You know, you know, nice slinky red dress. It was still sexy, but it was not uh, too much. And then I know the, the outfit
1: of- you're talking about. Is it something you'd wear for your husband?
5: Uh, if I maybe dropped, if I may, maybe, maybe one day, <laughs> I might do, uh, I mean, I've hey um, I mean,
1: just embarrassed Henrik.
5: No, 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 no. I mean, if I was where I, I to say, I don't know where the whole, where the short robe is because years ago I got a short robe with, uh, Japanese features on the back and you can flip it. So it was red and black with Japanese dragons and features. It was so short. I, it was very short. It was like a mini dress.
1: Ah, oh, good. That's a great visual. Thank you for that. Now, did she talk? Did she talk to the audience?
5: Yes, she did, but she did it in, not in the beginning, but it was more towards towards the end. And then I'm gonna say after the whole sexuality with just uh, justify my love and fever and Rolka. When let me tell you, when she performed "Hung Up," damn that arena exploded because. I mean, I going to say, I think Sweden is the perfect place to perform hung up because, you know, I mean, the people around the world love ABBA, but when you got to the home country of ABBA and performed that song, damn, the, the standing ovation she got through that song, I think that was the big, uh, at least in the first part, that was the big first song.
1: I keep hearing that that's, a, that's one of the highlights of the show. And just a point of order here, um, ABBA belongs to Australia, not Sweden. Okay, just mm-hmm. just so you know. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> How would you sum up that? You hadn't seen Madonna, Madonna before. How? How would you sum up the show, Henrik?
5: I'm going to say this is equally as good as her confession tour. I think they layered the music and the songs after each other very well.
1: Hmm. It sounds to me like you're still starstruck.
5: Uh Uh-huh, but uh, I mean, it was going on. I'm going to say, I mean, sure, Madonna is controversial. She's a little political, but I love the fact she was included. I mean, she really showcases within 35 songs her whole 40 years career because Mm. she showcases, you know, what she stands for. I mean, I love the fact that it was more ballroom, you know, it was like very pose, you know, like the, show, the TV show pose when she did Vogue. I mean, whew, that was everything. And I mean, while she had the Ball the Drag Queen included in that thing. I mean, it was, you know, that was so good when she did the Vogue.
1: Some people have criticized the end of the show. How did you find the wrap up, the end of the show?
5: Um, the thing is that since the, the show was so delayed, me and my mom, we were very scared that the bus that we were going back to was going to leave early. So I didn't see the last two songs.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm going to have to edit this out. You're telling a worldwide audience of Madonna fans that you didn't stay till the end of the show.
5: But I'm. I think I might miss the, her goodbye because when we were walking throughout the arena, you can see the you know, bitch, Amadana when she come back and when everyone was, was dressed like her different characters when she had them. Um, I didn't. I think I might just miss like thirty seconds of the show because uh, I mean the high. I think the end was a little bit more. What was gonna criticize because of all the outfits she was wearing throughout the whole night. That last outfit, I was like, why? <laughs> I think if she had end the show with like, with the like a virgin performance, it would be so iconic. Mm, okay. Because I think the like a virgin and with the whole silhouette on the screen was. Better than the Celebration Amusing in bitch. I'm a Donna. I, I think she should have switched the song so she will end it with the Like Virgin performance instead.
1: Mm, interesting take. All right, most importantly, what did mm. your mother think of the show?
5: I gonna say I think we had the same v- view on the show because- She's I not think... around
1: you right now, is she? No. You can't put uh, her on the line. I'd love to know <laughs> what she said. What's her name? Yvonne. Hey, Yvonne. Hope you're listening. How did you enjoy the show? Send us an audio message. <laughs> was she did she catch the bus, Henrik? Did she make it?
5: Yeah, we were yeah, I mean, yes. Oh, good. yes. No way. I mean, I got to say I think we had the same view of the show because I think the visuals the, of and the production, the dancers, I mean, everything was uh, was top-notch. But the sound base was too heavy, so that w- and the fact that the show was delayed, so but I'm not going to blame the delay on Madonna solely because I'm going to blame the delay because of the high security outside people was too late to the show. So they had to stand in queue lines for hours. I was like, okay, why don't you come earlier? Like a a normal person and go come here in more little bit in time, because Mm. I I hate when people do that. Oh, I'm delayed. I was like, yeah, but you can went a little bit earlier.
1: (laughs) Well, I'd love to hear from somebody listening if they happen to know if the security for the Celebration Tour is as tight and robust everywhere in the world, or was this just Sweden? No, um, but
5: I can think that is the same, same thing that happened uh, uh, in, uh, where are we? When, where was she? October 15th, because that is the same, same thing that... Uh, venue, you curfew restrictions. So I think that is a thing throughout the whole concert because I think she was delayed in Copenhagen as well. So mm. it might be that the fact that if the security for the whole tour is a little bit more sleek and tight.
1: Yeah, which you'd understand. Like, celebrities must take huge precautions security-wise um, because yeah. they are soft targets. They definitely are for terrorism and all kinds of things. But yeah, and think- at the same time, Henrik, you'd think that they would have worked that in – to the scheduling, it shouldn't be a delaying factor, it just should be part of the business.
5: But I gotta say, I have to include when she did La Isla Bonita when she was walking around with the whole pride and trance flag on her back. I was like, Amen to you, Madonna. I can talk about this for hours because this whole show was a masterclass of this is how it should be done.
1: Final question, Henrik. Yes, your boyfriend. Is he jealous now? No. <laughs> Still happy he didn't go after hearing yeah. all of this?
5: Yeah, no, he was, he's fine. He's, he has his eyesight on maybe Rod Stewart next summer. So.
1: And are you going to go with him to see Rod Stewart?
5: Maybe. Let's I
1: mean, dig into like... this relationship for a moment, Henrik. Why is it that he won't accompany you to see someone he doesn't particularly want to see, but you'll accompany him to see someone you don't particularly want to see?
5: I might want to see Rod Stewart as well. Some.
1: Mm. Does he still have that big Tina Turner hair?
5: Uh, who?
1: Rod Stewart, not your boyfriend.
5: <laughs> I have no idea. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that show with open arms. I'm gonna be like, let's see what this is about. No, he's more a Queen fan, so maybe Madonna is maybe not his style.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, thank you Henrik for giving us all the gossip. It's really awesome to get a first-hand account
5: about yes, from someone who I'm was gonna there. I going to say, I mean, I mean, I posted um, clips on this on my YouTube page and maybe not maybe not a lot of people have commented and but people say that the production of this and people I have, have sent the clips to are looking at, it. I'd be like, wow. So I think many people had a very negative view on Madonna before the short tour started. But after they have seen the clips and after I've been talking about it, I mean, the people have been very, have left a very positive response. Mm-hmm. And even the fact that the whole delay thing and the sound base, she got a four out of five. Uh, star resume are on our magazines in Sweden, so she's getting high praise for this So did the, the Queen has delivered The
1: Queen has delivered and I've got to say the only negative reviews you'll ever see of this show And this is hand on heart because I haven't read any negative reviews except from people who didn't go They're the only yeah. people saying why is she still doing this can't she retire? It's always people who didn't see I the mean, show
5: I'm going to say, if she wants to retire after the tour, I'm going to say she can. Because if she completes the whole tour with the same level of quality she did in that arena in Stockholm two days ago, her legacy will be amazing.
1: Henrik, thank you for your time. Thank you. Well, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure spending some time with you here in the Fortress of Pop Culture. I'd like to hear from you, though. I really would. Have you got an idea for the show? Is there something about film, TV, music that you want to talk about, that you feel passionate about, and that you want others to feel the same level of passion about? Well, this is it. This is the show where we don't get experts necessarily on the show. We get people like you. <laughs> not that you're not an expert. Sorry about that. That's a bit of a backhanded compliment. You are an on-the-ground warrior for the Pop culture domain of your choice. So, you might be a huge uh, fan of, uh, I don't know, an artist that not many people pay attention to. Well, this is the show. Come on board. Come and talk to me for 10 minutes. I'm not scary. Just come on the show. Come into the fortress. Give you 10 minutes. It's just like a straightforward shooting party. Okay? There's nothing to worry about. It's a straightforward shooting party. So, Come on board, get in touch. You can write to me um, via email, time to talk Australia at outlook.com. You can also find me on social media, Tim Power, on Facebook and Instagram. You might also type in time to talk show. We're everywhere. I just wish I could help you find us, but keep looking. But if not, send us the email. Um, if you find us on Facebook, we've got all the links to all our other pages there. Now, have you enjoyed the show? Thank you for being here. Thank you for lasting this long. It's been a pleasure. And I'm going to talk to you again really soon.